and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Weighed In podcast, coming to you as always midday on Monday, off the back of a quiet enough week in the horse racing world, but we've still got plenty to get through on this show. Before I introduce the boys, and we do have a super sub again this week, but before I get there, don't forget Rachel Blackwell's Serial Winners Fund. Had a real hike this week. She had two winners, so that's 10K added to the pot. Of course, this is running right the way until the Grand National, and it's building all the time with the proceeds going to not only the Injured Jockeys Fund over here, but the Irish Injured Jockeys Fund as well. So well done, Rachel. Two winners, 10K in to the serial winners fun thank you very much love to hear it um let's do some intros because kevin blake you first because we're touch delayed because you have been at gordon elliott's uh cheltenham festival open day is that what you call these things press day press morning you like yeah 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 still in the car park here so <laughs> um um yeah yeah good stuff now um, oh come on! You normally was... have a nugget for us. We've been here before. Come on. Well, I've actually the the main nugget that'll come out of today. I actually gave it to you exclusively a couple of weeks ago, and I forget which podcast it was, but it was one of these <laughs> <laughs> Wait, about about the about the garden about the garden glint for brighter days ahead. He, he oh, gave yeah. um he gave a particularly punchy line about her, um essentially words to the effect of she could be the best horse we, we've had here. Full stop, um, including you know Don Cossack and all the rest. So, um, the Garden Glint. I told you I have a good read of him. I told you, you know, I, I saw the Glint in October, and it's got it's more than a glint now. Jesus, that is a punchy stuff. Right, he's gonna run her in the Supreme, then is he? <laughs> uh, that that was the that was the ultimate example of how overanalyzed the whole Cheltenham scene is. Did you see that the, the, when he went Garden talked to um, who was he talking to about her? And, and like he clearly misspoke. He said she's going for the mayor's hurdle. And like clearest case you'd ever see of just him misspeaking. He meant the mayor's novice. And she went from like 33s to 12s for the mayor's hurdle. <laughs> oh my God. Ridiculous. <laughs> so isn't that a, a Twitter like, so, someone please ask Gordon that did he mean the mayor's novice? <laughs> ah, uh, it is it is a prime time with the Cheltenham Festival preview shows well underway now. Dave Ord, you're our super sub again this week. A joy to have you back, of course. Um, but at this time of year, you have to be careful of what content you do consume, don't you? You buyers beware. You do very much buyers beware. And also beware when you put the content out as well. It slip of the tongue, as Kevin touched upon that. We we were <laughs> Willie Mullins's uh, on Sunday for our visit ahead of Cheltenham. We were just putting in seventy two horses, I think, going out in the stable tour. And all the wrong word in one of those, we could cause odds checker carnage. It could be blue all over the shop. So you have to tread yeah. carefully with it in publish as well as listening to what's being said as well. Yeah, okay. I, did, I, I don't know if I ever told it in this podcast, but I, I'm sure I told I might have told it a few years ago, Dave. I, I, the ultimate example of that go back a few years where Willie revealed to me that, uh, on uh, well, I thought he revealed that Under Soul was out for the season, who was currently the short oh, yeah. price fab for the champion chase. And I was hovering my finger over a tweet to reveal that Under Soul was out for the season. Massive news hadn't moved on the exchange on Betfair. I'm like, Jesus, I guess it's some scoop. So I said, I better ring him back just, just to be safe. like and I rang him back and said, Willie, just, just to confirm, you know, because he said it very nonchalantly, under so out for the season. I was like, yeah, 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 out for the season. Well, God, that's an awful setback. Like, yeah, 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 sure, it's, these these things happen. Okay, under so out for the season. No, 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 on a toe, on a toe's out for the season. Because I have been in half an inch of, you know, basically ending my journalistic career there. But there you go. Modern oh, story, be very careful. 
especially with Willie. Be very, very careful. <laughs> very careful. Uh, Brendan, on the Willie Mullins note and on the note of the sort of same page, just picking up these nuggets as we go now and build up to the festival. Uh, did you see that I tagged you in that fact to file loving interview? Yes, yes. So so Willie says he's gone for the Brown Advisory. So all in for the Turners, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear allowed the National Hunt Chase. You never know. I'll be fuming. Absolutely no, fuming. I, I, I'm, glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying wallowing in uh, back to file as well. You should. It's great when you uh, pick up a horse relatively early and he lives up to your expectations well potentially will live up to your expectations i think it's it's i uh, never mind yeah uh, yeah thanks brendan but it's just nice when you when you really like a horse and then you mm. get to follow it and who knows what'll yeah. happen but it's nice when you get one that just gets to you a bit Okay, so coming up on this show, as always, we'll get stuck into the weekend review very shortly. We do also have Footsteps the Festival. Don't forget that's coming up. And Handicap Weights come out tomorrow, so that'll give us something to talk about as well. And we also have a couple of news topics to cover. But before we go any further, also remember it's now non-runner money back all 28 Cheltenham anti-post races on the sport. But now with Betfair, so do get involved in that non-runner money back on all 28 anti-post Cheltenham races and that serial winners fund up to 180,000 courtesy of Rachel Blackmore riding two winners at the weekend. So lots to be positive about courtesy of Betfair. Uh, let's get stuck in weekend review. Not a huge amount to dissect here. Dave, I will start with you and a quick mention of Fernie Hollow. Great to see him back in a grade three off that very, very long break. Long time since we saw him. Nearly 800 days. Obviously remains unbeaten over obstacles. How much ability do we think is still there? And would you expect him to tip up at the Cheltenham Festival? It looks unlikely, although he is six to one for the champion chase. Yeah, I think there's a good chunk of the ability still there, isn't it? He didn't need to be near that best um, on Sunday, time from 18th, but about £16 below his grade one novice chase win on that performance on Sunday. But I think he's a horse who they've just found impossible to keep the wheels on. It's probably how he's pulled out Monday morning and through the week that's even more important than what he did at yes. the weekend. I don't think he'll go champion chase. Willie did seem to think that Fairy House Punchestown was a more sensible route. And when a horse has had that amount of time off, he'd be asking an awful lot in two weeks, wouldn't it, to be, to be rolled out and going in against El Pabiolo and John Bod and Co. The thing is, he's got that much natural talent that an on-song Fernie Hollow would add plenty to the champion chase. I just think they'd rather have had that comeback run in January rather than the, the, the late throws of February to give him a chance of getting there. But great to see him back, but even better to keep the wheel done and get into a big spring festival. Yeah, and look, I know it's not all about Cheltenham. As you say, there are those bigger spring festivals, but it's a bit of a shame, Brendan, isn't it, for the owners and those around him that, you know, if he does bounce out of this comeback run and with a horse like him where the wheels clearly do come off, sometimes mm. you've just got to make hay whilst the sun shines. If he was right, you know, he'd be a lively one in the champion chase. Well, that's what I would have thought the owners would say. I mean, they they, they, they buy these expensive pointers to have uh, Cheltenham horses. And what are the chances he's around for Cheltenham next year? He'd be, he'd be a 10-year-old. Um, I, I, I would have thought they'd say to Willie, 
look, if he's right, run him. We know there's a danger that, that he can bounce, but it's probably our only chance to run in a champion chase. And I mean, he would add a, add a dimension to it. I, I understand what Dave said. Very hard to rate that performance. I mean, yeah. something in the low 150s, maybe. But that's, I mean, that's that's a complete guess. But um, he's some leper, isn't he? Even when he made a couple of mistakes, very slight mistake, but he doesn't seem to lose any ground. He's very quick from one side to the other. And um, yeah, I, I, I understand why they're, they're not running him uh, from, from Willie's point of view. It's it's not ideal, but it's a shame because with Edward Stone putting his head above the parapet recently as well, it would have added a fourth wheel to the champion chase when we were expecting a match for most of the season. But anyway, if, they, if, if they're not going to run him, they're not going to run him. Uh, one horse we do know, Kevin Blake, that will not be running as well at the festival as Khalif de Burley, who's been unchanged for the triumph hurdle off the back of his Adonis win at Kempton on Saturday. Big hype horse, Daryl Carter, big fan of him on Racing Only Better on Thursday as well. He delivered the goods again. I mean, he's not a prospect for, as I say, Cheltenham or even further down this season, but what a prospect he is for a year's time, hopefully. Sure looks a nice horse, doesn't he? Um don't know if you if you could like the, the talk is very big obviously but I don't think you could be getting um super carried away based on the form just yet um you know he's ultimately ha- had to, had to work there to to beat Harry Durham's horse who has a rating of one twenty six you know so we won't um uh, you know I saw some people putting them up for the, the King George of twenty twenty six and you know that, that that's that's that that's good fun and everything else but uh geez he's got a few stone to go before he gets to, um to that sort of thing so. Um, yeah, looking forward to seeing his progress. But um, um, yeah, look, you have to keep things in context and perspective, I suppose, don't you? Yes, we like to do that on this show, Kev, for sure. That's why we have you on. Um, uh, Brendan, quick mention whilst we're just on the Triumph Hurdle market, because Bottler's Secret was a mover to 12 to 1, quite a big mover from 20s for the Gavin Cromwell yard off the back of his nace success, another nace success. Um would he be in any way of interest for you at that price? Is a significant market mover here? Yeah, well, I, I mean, it sounds like he's going to run. I mean, Dave, Gavin Cromwell is very un- understated manner, but he said, oh, I wouldn't rule it out when, I, when asked about the triumph. So I would suggest that means, yes, we're going. Uh, so so you have a runner in what's likely to be a small field in the triumph. Um, but very good spot from Cromwell, 16K to the winner, weak race, P- Pacini's. Pacini's a limited sort and uh, the Joseph O'Brien horse in third seems to be, be going the wrong way. Um, his jumping was careful early on, but that's fine. Uh, it was his first run over hurdles. He got to a mark of, I think, in the high 80s after four runs on on, on the flat bottler secret. So a talented flat horse, albeit uh, he, he's never run on, on anything better than soft ground on the flat. So that might be a worry if the ground comes up as it normally does at Cheltenham. Um, he, I, I'd be surprised if he goes off any shorter than 12 to 1 in the triumph, even for a small field. All right. Um, Dave, let's do a bit of Grand National chat because we had a bit of a national market mover in Iron Maximus off the back of winning the Bobby Joe Chase, beating Vanillier, two horses that you can make good cases for, specifically the latter, obviously, in the Grand National itself. Uh, Iron Maximus now 12 to 1 from 25s off the back of that win. And obviously, we saw the weights be revealed. It was a week ago today, wasn't it? Um, both these horses with chances. Did- Vanillier, I sort of want to focus on the second for a minute. Did he diminish his national chances in that performance by any stretch? No, I don't think he did. Um, it was a step back in the right direction, wasn't it? It's the perfect 
NASA preparation, head gear back on, back up towards 75, 80%, peak performance, plenty to work on um, before the big race in April. I'd be pleased enough if I'd back Vanillier with what I saw there. I mean, I am, he's got as good a chance as any on the handicap perspective, Vanillier. You can see why he's at, towards the head of the market. And from a ability and performance perspective, so as I am Maximus, it's just how he gets over a fence from A to B is unique, isn't it? And it's how he's got to deal with that at Aintree would be my concern. Grand, modern day Grand Nationals are all about rhythm and getting into one. And I've not, not seen many rounds of jumping for Maya Maximus when he's managed to do that. If he does it, my goodness, he's a danger to all. But I'd be worried about how he takes the fences, whether he get over them quickly enough. He's a remarkable it's, it's, horse. It's, it's, and his like, movement, I mean, yeah. Yeah, he just run, okay. runs, and, runs and snatches, doesn't jump particularly well, wins 14 lengths. I mean, wins Irish Nationals. Uh, wins grade one novice chases over two and a half miles. I mean, I, I, I'd be like Dave. You, you'd think he'd just get lost in a, in a Grand National, but I would have said the same thing before the Irish version last Easter. So, yeah, remarkable horse. It's a funny old universe we're in where, like, I am Maximus and Vanillier, like, two horses, like, with with, with a very checkered past from a jumping perspective, like, are so fancy for a Grand National. Um, it, it, It's a little bit nuts. Uh, they wouldn't have... Well, yeah, sure, in, the, sure. in, the old, in the old Grand National, <laughs> or even the Grand well, National, you know, 12 years ago. <laughs> sure, we're all in Monbeck genius, aren't we? That, that, that'll boil the piss of all the right people. One for the good guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, good. All in Monbeck genius. I would love it. Love it. All aboard. Who's 10 to 1 favourite? 10 to 1 currently. Gone the Monbeck genius. Um, yeah, if they if they any if they any sense at all, they put the like and, and I'm only three quarters joking. Like if if they because of, like it's not going to be a fun experience for them, is it? You know, having that run in the Grand National, it's not going to be a fun experience. Get one of the sales companies to auction them the week before the race and make an absolute fortune. And you know, they they'll they'll have some money in the bank that isn't frozen by the by by the government, so it'll be great. <laughs> Isn't frozen by the government, Kev. Oh God! You make yeah. a right view. You make a right view. There's going to be some talking points on the lead up to this Grand National, isn't there? I can just see the narrative already. Um, uh, I'll tell but, you what, what, what a game this is. The, the, the next uh, like mental story is never far away, is it? Jesus. No, we'll get we'll get to that very shortly, actually. Um, but no, let's move on very quickly. Uh, Kev, you can take Largy Hill, who's become twelve to one from sixteens for the Albert Bartlett. Uh, another nice one in the double green, obviously for Team Willie Mullins. But I mean, would he be anywhere near an eight? Like, would he be on the A team sheet, or is he more like a B or C team sheet? I don't know where he sort of fits in right now. Yeah, sure. Look at I suppose if you're in the Albert Bartlett, you're probably on the B sheet anyway, aren't you? <laughs> you know, there's not many A teamers end up in the Bartlett. Um, yeah. and should the nature of the race, like it's it's wide open, isn't it? So um if he's if he's well and it's not coming too soon, have a whack and see what happens. We see we see some we've seen some mental things in the Bartlett over the years, and he wouldn't be the maddest winner by any means. You know, he beat beat a well regarded horse in second. Um Staffordshire not, I think you know, a bit of attention on him. For obvious reasons, I think Gordon was saying this morning he's likely to skip Cheltenham and go to Aintree. Um, found Turles a little bit sharp for him, so um, yes, that's the that's the the get go there. 
Okay, good insight. Thank you. Uh, Dave, you can just have a quick mention on Lump Sum. Obviously, won the Dove Kurt has that Jericho de Repine form from a couple of starts back as well. It's been the market mover for a couple of the handicaps at Cheltenham, including the County Hurdle, which we'll get to in a minute in footsteps of the festival. He is 16 to 1 from 20s, and he's the same price for the Martin Pipe. Um, it looks as though that's the, well, one of the, you know, the handicap route is where they're going to go with him. But for that team and those, you just wouldn't put it past them to continue this horse's progression. No, definitely not. It's really interesting, isn't it? I know the Welsh champion hurdle are building back from, but uh, Cheltenham could well be a step on that road. And about three or four years ago, the lavish Cheltenham Waitsland. So you used to unveil the the ways and there'd be a five-course meal. You could pick food from all the Cotswolds. It was a lovely day. One of my favourite on the calendar. I mean, it's made much missed. But Martin Greenwood annoyed the British trainers by saying that they were running the wrong sort of horses in the Cheltenham handicaps. Rather than moaning about the Irish domination, just stop running a load of exposed handicappers against potential improvers. And here we've got one in Lumpsum, who's just the sort of horse who should be running in a handicap at Cheltenham. I thought on Saturday, I think plenty went wrong. Um, Sam Twist and Davies said he gave him a kick there. Then he wasn't sure how well he was travelling. He took off. He was in front far too soon. It's the sort of horse who was going to be a improver going beyond two miles, which he hasn't done. It looks like he'll stay further. Now, I think a big field, strong pace scenario will suit. will be held up, he'll travel and I think he'll pick up. Now, whether he's going to be on a mark, he can win one of those competitive handicaps at Cheltenham, I, I wouldn't know. But I think it's really interesting. It's great that people are now actually targeting races with horses like this. It's the right sort to be going to war with from the home team, at least. Mm, and like I say, they're just the sort of team to like you trust for them to get this nearly right. You know, I'm not saying he's going to win one of them, but like you say, he's the right sort of horse Dave um, and if we're talking about performances of the week Brendan then we should give a mention to Mark Bradstock's Mr Van Gogh because this horse won by I mean was it 80 lengths oh, 60 lengths at Exeter uh, this week just gone and is now 25 for the National Hunt Chase off the back of it I mean he basically got a freebie up front but it's pretty rare you see a horse specifically over that sort of trip that sort of horse win by quite so far Brendan one by a fence, Vanessa. You know, I've been, back in the days when I used to back winners and my confidence was up, I'd say, oh, this will win a fence. But I didn't actually literally mean it would win a fence. I mean, this is a, this is a, this is a handicap with, I don't know, there were seven or eight runners in the race. I mean, it was incredible. Just jumped and travelled and galloped them into submission. I don't I don't envy the handicap. I mean, what do you do with a horse like this? It was filthy conditions, granted. So, uh, obviously, you can have accentuated winning distances. I mean, do, do you give him a stone? Do you give, do you give him more than a stone? It's not really the way the UK handicap are. I, I, anyway, I don't Whatever they, they end up with, I, 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 I see the case where they must be raging. They didn't put him in there in the Midlands National. He would look made for that kip, but uh, he's in the National Hunt Chase. The Bradstocks, in, in, in fairness, don't mind uh, taking a chance, as we know. So so they might run, but in very different 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 conditions. And he was winning off 120 in Exeter. So I doubt he'd be a factor. Very different, but still remarkable performance. Mm. And, you know, it's good to give those remarkable performances a mention in whatever guys they come in. Um, guys, let's move on to Footsteps to the Festival. Don't forget, like I said earlier, we are now non-runner money back on all 28 Cheltenham Antipost races on the sportsbook now. Um, but we will get the festival weights tomorrow, Tuesday, they come out. So a little bit bad that we're doing three handicaps right now, but... The boys can have a strong view, despite that, especially as we don't have TC on. So that helps us a little bit here to get less thick. Um, so we can get stuck in to the boodles we will start with. And 
Kev, I will start with you here, seeing as you have just been in Gordon's yard and he has Wadoo in here. Uh, the Boodles market looks like this. 7-2 to two, Lark in the morning, 11-2 to two, Batman Girac, 7-1 to one, Wadoo, who's clearly been on such a roll this season. Uh, so, Kev, I mean, that's just the top three in the market, but do you have anything that's jumping out the page at you, either from your morning or pre-this thoughts for the Boodles? Look, the weights are going to be interesting. Um, the weights are going to be very interesting because um, I probably pay a bit more attention to this than most. <laughs> um, and like the, the the way they've treated the juveniles there in the last few years has been kind of a, a tale of ever increasing differentials. Like last season, it was up over five pounds on average. And um, the Irish, you know, in fairness, the, the English, the, the British were particularly poor in the juvenile division last season. So it wasn't a shock that the Irish um did so well in the race but I, I think the expectation was kind of similar treatment again but um look as we get at this time of year there's been a bit of um Irish juveniles been entered up in the UK in recent weeks just to get a little a little hint at what they're thinking and like a lot of the differentials have been quite low um like Lark in the morning was entered in the UK a couple of weeks ago the same race that um, Pacini was entered in um and they were both given marks that were two pounds higher than their Irish which is um you know lower than than might have been expected, um so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out tomorrow now, um markets dominated by Irish trained horses, um we've seen English marks for a few of those up at the higher end, um and if you're looking at the if you're when you're looking at the weights I'd say, my feeling is that you know you won't need to be rated any higher than, one twenty to get in, like Lark in the morning is. He's 120 in Ireland. He's 122 in England as of last week. Um, so I think the the fab is going to get in anyway. And um, yeah, like the the, the average the, the 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 average rating for the bottom weight in this has been going down quite a bit in the last couple of years. And I say it's going to be the lowest ever here. So um, there's going to be plenty sneaking in off nice weights. Um, Wadu is going to go. Um, it seems um, she's on a roll. She's won uh, five and five something like that. She was in at Nace yesterday and Gordon decided to take her out and um and go straight to the Boodles, it sounds like. So she'll be a big player and she'll look like in the morning as a big talking horse. It looks like he'll get in. Um hasn't won over hurdles yet, but has got a, a, a great education in the three runs, you know, which is always something you, you like to see, you know, in amongst horses, jumping in company, and didn't have a lot of runs on the flat. Um for he, he got a setback last April that held him up. Um so he, he looks well handicapped, and, but it is the Boodles, Vanessa, and it's, it's going to be a giant full field of 22, and uh, you're going to need luck, but um, yeah, hopefully Lark in the morning gets a little bit of luck, because I'd say he's he can, he's well handicapped if things drop right. Okay, Lark in the morning, then getting a positive mention for Kev. Um, Dave, I shall come to you next. Is there anything that you think may be well treated in the weights when we see them tomorrow? The one I put up, I don't even know what, couldn't even hazard a guess really what, what way she's going to get. I think she's quite interested. I may have Willie Mullins as a partner. I usually just mention horses I know I can pronounce. I managed to find two in the handicaps. I've got no chance. But I'm going with Javier de Blaise, um, may have Willie Mullins. She's had two runs for the stable. She clipped heels in that big race on Boxing Day or St. Stephen's Day, depending on which side of the IVC you're on, at Leopardstown. And they took her to Fairy House with Miss Manzor the next time. She finished second to her, who was a leading fancy for this um, Boodles. And Danny Mullins rode her that day. And she's, she had a hood on. She's 
She's a bit keen through the preliminaries at Leprosound. She settled better. I thought she had a smashing race. I think she's a work in progress. So that was interesting that Danny got a sit on there, hoping that he might keep the ride in the boodles. It is the plan for both Miss Manzor and her. I think the big field will suit. Um, she was a runaway winner of her only start in France. I think she's talented. She's 20 to 1 with a sports book. And of all the Mullins horses, I thought she was potentially the most interesting. Oh, okay, big yeah, price. Uh, I'd be, I'd be worried she might get. I'd be worried she might get at the tougher end of the treatment. Um, just yeah, that's the concern. She, she finished in front of Nadawi. Um, in her last run, Nadawi came out and won well since. And there's just Nadawi himself and just a few around his farm line have been entered in the UK. And the the hand, the, the British handicapper seems to be going quite tough on that farm line. Um, kind of going four and five pounds higher rather than the, the, the two pounds a few others we're getting. So if, if I had to guess and speculate, um like I think she would be one of those that, that'll have a bigger differential th than most. Um just just because she's stuck in the middle of that farm line that they seem to they seem to like the look of. It's all in there, isn't it? Batman does you as well the Miss Man's all there's plenty of them are all ties mm -hmm. in together with. Go on, yeah. Dave, just say her name one more time. I, I you did only do it when there's a race card number available, Vanessa. So um I'd imagine <laughs> she's gonna be number three on the race card. Carraya de Blaze. Which is quite clear, not Be yeah, beautifully butchered. That's what we love to hear. <laughs> on the podcast. Um, final word on the boodles to you, Brendan. I wouldn't mind give me five at all. I thought the twenty to one with the with, with, with the sports book was fair. I could I, I could definitely see him going off half that. You would think that Harry Derham will lean towards this race. Uh, he have been beaten narrowly by Caleb de Burley at the weekend, but that was a good run. He was a very limited on the flat, but got plenty of experience, which will stand to him here. And he's just a he's a really really accurate jumper. Is actually if anything inclined to over race in his races. So I think the tempo of this race will suit him really well and it's on the Tuesday so Brooks can turn up no no the triumph's no good that's on a Friday he'd be golfing so Brooks can turn up on the Tuesday and watch Gimme Five run with great honour in the boots one, so, one thing I'd say there is I'm, I, I've been kind of trying to keep abreast of what, what's um, likely to run here and I did ask Harry before um, before the run at Kempton what he was thinking and I'd say there's a good chance he doesn't go to Cheltenham. It might might have changed yeah. now post Kempton, but the way oh. he was talking, he might be more likely to wait for um talking about coming over for Fairy House, which I think would be a great shout. Um, so I just be things might have changed since Kempton now, but I just uh, be a little bit cautious. Um, if you're betting anti post rules, you did say NRMB, NRMB as well. Say again, oh, you did say that that after Kempton as well. Harry on okay. Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Uh. That's that dream over. <laughs> <laughs> there, sure, there, sure there, there goes that dream. Brendan, instead, <laughs> instead, Brendan, you can have a dream in the Coral Cup. I'll come to you first here and we'll move on. Uh, the Coral Cup betting reads Samajest is currently your six to one market leader. Langer Dan, obviously successful in the race last year, is seven to one next best. Doddy the Great in there at tens as well. Bilton Ballymore uh, is 12 to one. Hidden Valley Lake in there, class individual. Uh, there's some nice names in here. This is a race that has not been kind to me in various ways in the past. So, Brandon, you can try point in the direction of a winner, please. Uh, well, I tried to find something that I thought was value and I couldn't come up with anything. I mean, Bally Adams 
16 to 1. I don't think he'll be any shorter on the day, but I, I do think he ha- has a good chance, ran well in the county hurdle off 148 last year. I can't see the handicapper giving him any more. He could be kind and give him a, a pound, pound or two less, but some, something around 148, ran well behind Irish Point in the grade one at, at Christmas in Leopardstown. Uh, this could be the ideal trip from. I, I, I think he'll run well, but I, I don't, I don't see much juice in the price. But I just couldn't find anything that I thought would, but, but something was short. But I just couldn't find it. Dave, could you find the thing that will shorten in here? No, the problem is it's the the entries all in the Martin Pipe as well, isn't it? You, you don't know where where things are going. Though those two aces feature probably among. I mean, Kevin might have got a steer. I'll have to be careful with the pronunciation of this one, even though I can say it. A uh, better days ahead. For Gordon Elliott, not the not the novice hurdling mare, the the not the male novice hurdler. I thought it was interesting they dropped him to two miles, trying to give fifteen pounds to Asian Mass. I think he's probably been teed up for a handicap. He's in this and he's in the the Martin Pipe. We'll find out a bit more. Presumably Tuesday as things go on, but I think Better Days Ahead's one who could potentially run a big race in the festival handicap, including the Cobble Cup. Kev, can you expand definitely on... Definitely mentioned this morning that he definitely did, man, trying to think which handicap he was talking about. Like, you'd assume with his rating that, that he might veer towards Martin Pipe because he will be qualified for that hmm. Um, after the, the, the British tax is applied. Um, And, yeah, look, he's been a bit disappointing, hasn't he? But, look, he got the, he got the fourth run into him. And you can imagine that's the way he's thinking. I'll just have to listen back to the old recording there um, to see which one he mentioned. But he definitely was talking about him um, with a view to a handicap and if I, if I have to guess from the top of my head I think it was the Martin Pipe but um, yeah look out for that I'll be, I'll be posting up a stable tour later so you'll, we'll, we'll confirm it in that uh, Kev do you have anyone else you would like to add in for this Carl Cup um, like, like I think Brazil is potentially interesting Um, has been missing for a little while he of course is remembered in infamy for being the horse that beat, that beat the greatest handicap good thing in recent history at the Cheltenham Festival when he nutted um, Gaelic Warrior in the in the Boodles a few years ago. And um, it, like in fairness, he, like he, he did plenty after that, but he's just kind of a little bit quiet lately. But you wouldn't be surprised. Like he actually had his, he was a full horse for most of his hurdling career so far. He was only gelded prior to his last run. And um, he, had, he had a spin around there at Leopardstown. And I'd say it was just... Um, um, a, a cobweb blower, if you will, and um, you can imagine that as a, as a previous Cheltenham Festival winner, that the Park Roach would have would have been trying to to get him fired up for this. And um, look, it'll it'll be his first go at a mid range trip if he turns up here, and I think that that would be interesting for him because he, he doesn't he doesn't hold any other entries, so um, just wouldn't be shocked. Keep an eye out for him. Okay. A few horses just to keep a note on then for the Coral Cup. Uh, on to the county hurdle we go. And, of course, the Betfair hurdle winner, Iberico Lord, is your 6-1 to one market leader for this. Uh, Dave, I will start with you here because, of course, when he won the Betfair hurdle, we were discussing where his trajectory might go. And I think we were all in agreement on this show anyway that there's still scope in him in a four-hour handicap. And the county hurdle, it's not going to be beyond him, I don't think. No, he's going to be competitive, isn't he? He's, he's going the right way. And I was really taken with him in that that Betfair hurdle, how he put the race to bed and the way he went through it. He's a big player. There's a lot of money around at the minute for King of Kingsfield. Um, I think he's now challenging towards the the head of the market. I thought Zenta at the Dublin Racing Festival when she was third in that competitive two-mile handicap, she, things went wrong. She went rapid headway that day. I thought she looked the sort who might pick up a a big handicap by the end of the season. And in behind the stable mate, Bailey Stock, 
in the Rich Richie colours got brought down two out. You had to be asked a question. It's a fair way out, obviously a fair, fairly long way out, but they do think that's handicapped to win a big pot. He's been on the radar a while. And if we ever get spring ground, I don't know what spring ground is nowadays. It's probably just heavy as it is for the, the rest of the season in England. But if we do ever get spring ground, he might be the sort who pops up in a race like this. I, I love the county hurdle. It's a fantastic race. Oh, do you love the county hurdle, Brendan? Oh yeah, absolutely. Particularly if you can back the winner. I mean, uh, you're going to you're surely going to have a reasonable day if you back the winner of um, the county hurdle, and people will have backed Stateman. What did Stateman win it off? One one forty two or something like that. Something one forty something. Yeah. What 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 a job that is. We have to. This was such so egregious that we have to change the rules on the back of this. So yeah, there's uh, some 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 fascinating things going on. Um, I might go with the uh, with the Blake angle of mares in, in, in Cheltenham handicaps. Magical Zoe. Now again, she's twelve to one. You're going to be getting extra places on the day. Whether she'd be much shorter than twelve to one, but ran really well in second at the DRF over uh, Christmas. She got a few pounds for that. So I think actually the UK handicapper, I'm guessing, granted might be minded to leave her alone. He's seen enough for at this stage. Second, of course, in the um, in the mayor's novice last year so she has festival form um i, I think she'll get something in, in the low 140s three good efforts this year um the hdb at cheltenham i mean he just always seems to have his horses prime for that meeting uh she was coming off a bit of a break the last day so i, I could see an improved performance and should go well but again i'm i'm, I'm not sure there's a whole pile of juice in the price Okay, Magical Zoe is currently 12 to 1, and the market is very much dominated by, as Dave said, the money coming for King of Kingsfield, uh, who's currently on, well, sort of 5 to 1 now, and Iberico Lord is 6 to 1. Um, absurd after that at 8. Kev, do you like Brendan's angle there of the mare in the handicap, as you flagged up before at Cheltenham? Yeah, no, I do actually. Um, thought she ran really well last time. I, I'd be afraid that the handicapper might take a good swipe at her. Um, now that he has the chance, <laughs> so I I'd be I'd be watching her with the weights. Um, just given, I find that when 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 an Irish horse runs really well and a big Irish handicap coming into Cheltenham, that the the British handicapper doesn't miss his chance generally, and and it'll give them a good whack. So we'll wait and see what he does. And uh, the other one I was going to mention is one that's already been mentioned is King of Kingsfield. Um, on the old um, on the old Cheltenham Money Better podcast, myself and Daryl have been talking about him for. For a little while, as one that could potentially make up into a county hurdle contender, and it, it looks to be coming together now. Um, Mike Gordon wasn't. Um, he, he said that Jack Kennedy is mad for him to run in the county, but it doesn't sound like a decision is a hundred percent made yet. He could still run the Supreme, which sort of tells you that if he does run in the county, um, the 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 expectation might be justified if they're still thinking he might be good enough to run in the Supreme. He's going to look well handicapped in the. You know, whatever he'll be mid to high one forties, um, and I see the the handsome, intelligent, and charming odds compilers of the of the Flutter Group have cut him into um the shortest price in the village. So so they they're clearly onto it as well. Um, so yeah, he he he's definitely interesting. Um, watch this space to see if he gets confirmed for the race. 
Okay, watch the space indeed. And of course, we're just rattling through on the footsteps of the festival section of these shows, uh, some of these races, and we will be continuing to do that. But don't forget, Betfair will have so much Cheltenham Festival preview content coming your way. So stay abreast of it all. And also don't forget that we are now non-runner money back in all 28 Cheltenham anti-post races on the sportsbook. Let's move on to news, 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 news. Uh, Not a huge amount going on news-wise, but the Racing Post have run a special report into the black market bookmakers um, led by Lee Mottershead. Some great sort of detective work done here that has involved some undercover, obviously, reporting, and we've had some voice recordings be released There's loads in this report, Dave. Um, It's only just come out, I think, was it yesterday or today even? And so obviously it's on the Racing Post, that special report. Do go and read it. It's very interesting in terms of there's so much to take from it, I guess. But Dave, what were your big takeaways? What surprised you in this report? I I think it's a great piece of journalism by Lee and the team. Uh, It's a proper investigation. As you say, I went on the website on Sunday night and into the paper on Monday. I think we've heard so much about black market bookmakers in recent times around the the gambling review and the, the threat that they pose. But I think this is the first time we've actually been explained how actually is it easy it is and how it's actually working. This isn't a bookmaker with a website. Well, it isn't a bookmaker, but it isn't somebody with a website. This is an unlicensed bookmaker taking bets through WhatsApp and deposits through WhatsApp with huge deposit incentives as well. And I just found that with over... 1,300 customers, 10 members of staff. And I thought for the first time, it, it almost explained how the whole thing was working. We've heard of black market bookmakers. I don't know what people thought they were, how they existed, how they, they operated. But this report, for the first time, I think, showed the sort of the mechanisms that are in place, how it's working, what sort of things they're using to attract people across. And it's fascinating and very worrying reading. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned there, Dave, that up until this point, like the word, the sort of terminology has been banded around quite a lot, black market bookmakers. And in our heads, it's like, what does that even mean? What, how does that, how does that come into effect? Like, what is the process there? And then yet these voice recordings for me were quite a surprise because I don't know, maybe it's just me, but for me, like black market bookmakers, makers sound terrifying like scary and not good whereas actually listening to the voice recordings you know you can totally see how somebody could get drawn into that and could believe that's kosher and go along with it and think there's nothing wrong with it 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 they make it sound very simple and and above board and almost yeah too good to be true but lots of people would buy into that. And that's the thing I think, Brendan, that surprised me the most from the report and listening to those voice recordings was kind of almost the simplicity of it and how it's actually not that daunting and not that scary to be able to get involved with a black market bookmaker. Yeah, well, but, but, but the snag is that we're taking everything the guy said at, at face value and saying that it's true that they do have 10 members of staff and that they do have uh, uh, over a thousand clients. But if you were trying to make a sales pitch to get someone to invest money with you, you're obviously going to tell them, oh, yeah, we, you know, we've loads of staff. We've a, we've a good bank of customers. We're, we're very trustworthy. Um, perhaps I'm, I'm coming at this uh, for, from a different background, but well, you have to understand, certainly when I worked in, uh, in in a race room, is that all bookmakers have to have risk protocols, whether they're 
they're legal or illegal. So the snag with the smaller bookmakers is that the, the, the customers who, who aren't profitable for the, for the bigger bookmakers have to find other avenues to get on. So it, 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 small bookmakers don't scale well in terms of the number of recreational punters they have next to the number of serious punters they have. So to then say, well, put two grand in and we'll give you an extra two grand. Now, I imagine around that, that you have to turn over a certain amount of money. There's, there's no way that they're just going to give you, they're just, just, just going to give you two bags. And then to say, we'll give you guaranteed prices. I mean, the story does not check out with this. To, to, to be honest with you, I mean, it could be, it could be uh, like, like a pyramid scheme and those first thousand people are actually going to have the greatest gambling experience of all time. They'll, they'll get these massive incentives, they'll get the guaranteed prices and they'll make plenty of money. But my suspicion would be, trying to read between the lines of this, the story doesn't check out and at some stage, the later punters aren't going to get paid. And I, I, I just don't know if there's a thousand people would look at that pitch and go, oh yeah, no, that, that, that looks legit. I, I, I'll go with it. I, I, I just don't believe it, basically. I do believe that a thousand people could go with that pitch, actually. Okay. I totally get where you're coming from, but obviously you're but, from a set background. No, no, but and in fairness to you, we learned from a Ponzi scheme recently that 160 million people in a small section, 160 million pounds in a small section of the UK. So, yeah, maybe yeah. I'm missing something. I, I just... I I, I I just feel like it, it, that that people who are, are having trouble getting on would 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 understand why they're having trouble getting on and go oh well look at look at this we we've reached Nirvana here um, would they not go now uh, my spider sense says this is wrong I think I think there probably must be an element of that but I just think that. People love to latch on to, you know, like you just look at what was sold, not only in racing, but just in the wider world. And it's amazing what people latch on to and what like you can believe in this day and age. I yeah, think. yeah. Well, I, I mean, they called it the post. So it had a certain um, a, a certain credibility, half aligned with the racing post. But they're missing a trick there. If I was an illegal bookmaker, I would call the business responsibly. Think of all the free advertising you get, Vanessa. So much advertising. Uh, Kev, there was, as Brendan's pointed out, there were definitely a few red flags in those voice notes. A few obvious red flags if you're in the game, but maybe less obvious if you're not in the game. And what, but the real <laughs> desperation for me, Kev, came at the end of the first one where, you know, the lad is like, oh, and if you've got anyone else, if you've got any mates, if you've got anyone else, and he's sort of really latching on to, you know, do spread the word. And there was de a definite tone of desperation there, Kev. You remember a couple of weeks ago there where we talked about that um, lay easy racing, the, the case Brendan alluded to there. Yeah. And we asked the question, you know, how could people be so naive to, to lash in 150 million into something like this. Lads, if you think this crowd of 1,300 customers and 10 employees, give your head a shake. If you think, oh, if I better put in two grand into this, two grand and free bets, brilliant. I'll do that. Lads, if you're if you're listening to this and, and thinking, God, that sounds like something I'd get involved in, give your head a shake. Like there, there was a little Italian fella doing the rounds there a few years ago called Charles Ponzi. You might want to read up about him and see how that panned out. <laughs> Mother of Jesus. Yeah. 
and this is like this, like this is the the absolute um Pandora's box that, that that the British government is opening here. Like, and look, this, this sort of crack is it new? You know, black market bookmakers haven't come about simply because of the affordability checks. They've been there forever. There's always been some lad behind the behind the bar in a pub there that that'll take bets based off the prices of teletext back in the good old days. You know, this this is a new stuff, but this notion of, of of signing up to lads that you don't know on WhatsApp and sending them a few grand to load up in your account, like like the odds of this sort of thing ending well, like it's not zero, but true, it's it, it's close to zero. And like for me, the biggest takeaway from it is if you look at the the social media post that the race and post of, of you know where they where they've tweeted this, like have a, a little look see under the comments, and like you'll find lads that are saying, you know, I've been trying to get paid by the, this crowd of this crowd of scammers for six months, you know, and that, that that's the ending to this story. Like like just just ha- have a little bit of cop on. Look, I know getting on is a massive problem in the game. But 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 use a bit of common sense now, and I, I, I and it's tough to say like, but I've tried a precious little simply now for someone that hears, you know, the match three bets for thousands, and they think, oh, that sounds legit. Let's have a go at that. That sounds nice. Um, and I sure to let you punt away, but Jesus, try and get paid. Um, and and look, this is the problem. You know, the 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 government are creating massive issues with this. Um and like the, the the unintended consequences of what they're doing is massive, but um a fair play to the RP for 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 getting this, but geez, a bit of common sense goes a long way, and unfortunately, as a, as a pal of mine loves to say, common sense isn't very common. But geez, if you don't if you don't listen to this sort of pitch and have red red lights flashing and alarm bells ringing, um, like I say, give the old head a shake because the 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 the, the world's a cynical dangerous hell place lads and uh these lads and plenty of other lads like him when when the pot gets big they'll they'll just be gone they'll be gone off to barbados for a good time um so yeah go go in with your eyes open would be what i'd say and no actually no i won't say that don't go with your eyes open just don't go in at all lads uh because these sort of things just won't end well yeah that is yeah summarized correctly these sort of things will not and well brendan on social media recently i saw a post that said ways to tell someone they're stupid politely and the mm-hmm. first suggestion was intelligent thoughts have always followed him but he was faster and i really uh, enjoyed that one yeah 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 good fans, good fans i thought that was one for you yeah. 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 No, 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 we we've been missing out on your quotes on, until um until the Longfellow returns for his uh, French. Well, I know. Campaign. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm delighted to get a quote in. Yeah, it's lovely to get a quote in, and plenty plenty more this summer with him running. Um, Dave, let's talk about a bit of international well. interest because, of course, um, lots of international racing at the moment, and Sir Alex Ferguson, Jeb Mason and Co. Are having the time of their lives with Spirit Dance, who won the Group Two Howden Neom Turf Cup. Get that in there. Uh, God, I'm a company girl today. <laughs> Christ, uh, but no, for Richard Fahey and Ashin Orr, of course, and just great to see sir alex having so much fun on these international jaunts isn't it he looks like a man who is genuinely enjoying himself 100 and look at the attention it gets as well in yeah. in Bahrain, in saudi arabia the cameras the press the the organizer they all want a piece of sir alex and it's just a fantastic good i mean you've got to richifies our columnist i know him really well i'm over the moon for richard no sheen for the, the job they've done i spoke to him in the spring and said I thought they'd win the John Smith's Cup finally with Spirit Dancer this year that they didn't is 
he's gone on and done slightly better than that with two huge phase days, and he hasn't finished yet. Apparently, he's pulled out sound. He's going to stay around and go to Dubai now for to have another roll of the dice, which which you don't blame. But what I thought was really interesting was how Sir Alex managed to haggle down a reduced fee for Frankel when they bred Spirit Dance. <laughs> like he, he, managed, he managed to even get Judmont to half the asking price. It just made you think, at least I'm not a football agent over those years, or a rival club haggling over transfer. Yeah. He had no chance. If he could get Judmont to half the fee for Frankel, then goodness knows what he could do with football clubs. Yeah, they, yeah. they won't be doing it again after he revealed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's been, um... conversation. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, just slight sidestep from the running order, but it's been a great sort of uh, few weeks, hasn't it, for a variety of trainers on the international scene. Like, great to see Richard Fahey with this horse, obviously. Mick Appleby having a big payday as well. Jamie Osborne, George Scott, George Baker. Like, I love to see the variety of trainers really getting involved with those Middle Eastern pots at this time of year. It spices things up a bit. Yeah, I mean, like there's great opportunity out there, and like I've been spending a bit of time out there. Like the the prize money's fantastic. It, it, they're they're not waters that are being heavily fished at the minute. Um, like now I'm not saying it's easy, but you know these guys are thinking about it. They're picking horses they think will be suited, and they're going out having a crack, and um, and, and they're getting some mighty results. Um, so like, like I, I suspect it's it's gonna grow and become a bigger thing, and like ultimately we're talking about the biggest the biggest problem we're gonna have. Well, one of the biggest problems we're gonna have in the industry is is losing horses to the Middle East. And I think a lot of, uh, there's a fair there's a few trainers that are kind of getting ahead of it and saying, well, why don't you leave the horse with me? I I can travel them, I can campaign them, I can bring bring them out there and um achieve the same thing that 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 you want to achieve. Um, so you know, I think that they're they're very on the ball there, and um, it, it's great it's great to see them having winners. And like, I was particularly happy for Jamie Osborne actually, um, because they 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 did punchy things there buying those horses. They did you know the profile they did, um, older horses, you know, real high level form in the book. But most people just wouldn't wouldn't be brave enough to do it because the the assumption would be that, um, with the mileage on the clock, that they'd struggle to keep them right or struggle to keep them at a level. And um, he's taken a punt with a few there, and like they've been representing them so well, and um, and Safi obviously as well, and um, doing doing a super job on board and um, breaking down breaking down some barriers in the Middle East. They're achieving some milestones. It's been it's been great to watch. But um, yeah, like I say, not not just about the Os the Osborne show, but um, uh, plenty of others too. It's it's been great to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I, I it's really helped me sort of enjoy that scene a little bit more this year for sure. Just the variety of trainers as much as anything. And of course, uh Sir Alex Ferguson's joy in the paddocks, basically. Um a, a race and league form working out well, Vanessa. He he won uh, he won a race and league handicap sure this summer. <laughs> God, look at us. I'm a company girl getting the Howard mentioning, getting the Betfair mentions in. You're getting racing league in. We're all doing our bit, aren't we? Dave Ord's got his column in there as well. Bloody hell. I was looking back at the form. I remember that day at Windsor. I, I was absolutely headbutting the wall afterwards. I thought the Irish horse Star Harbour was unlucky. Go have a look at the way the form that worked out. Like the first four, like all ended up like a stone plus higher. Like yeah, Jesus, yeah. right? It's probably ended up in about one percent of his career prize money. How much prize money has he picked up <laughs> in the last three runs? Ridiculous. It was literally, it was literally a million quid the the other day pounds yeah. of, your, of your queen's sovereigns. Um, um, it's some money. 
Okay, last thing to mention, Brendan, I'll throw it your way. These Cheltenham Festival ticket sales apparently yeah. are a worry. So we've nearly got Gold Cup Day sold out, but I think mm-hmm. that would be sold out normally by this time of year. And it sounds as though the other days are down. Of course, this won't be a surprise to many because cost of living, the cost of going to mm. Cheltenham, yeah. everything's stacking up here, Brendan. Yeah, I, I, I don't really know what to think because it obviously it got the COVID bounce 2022. So it was down 40,000 last year and they did cap Gold Cup Day. So they, they, I, mean, I mean, they could have sold more tickets there. So let's say let's say it's down 30,000. But if it just stuck at that, that, that story would check out. But if the crowds dropped again, what could be causing that? I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of on half of my mind to not think... That, that the people who, who who go to Cheltenham, that the cost of living crisis affects them that much. Now, I, I might be mistaken in, in, in saying that, but I, I, I'd say the supporters of, of that meeting are, are generally uh, high, high earners. Uh, and then I got to thinking, well, is it because general narrative of the national hunt season? It's, I mean, it's so difficult to get behind a horse because you don't know where they're going. And then even if you do get behind a horse, you want to see it take on the horse that your mates getting behind. And then you can have the, this big clash. Are people getting bored with it? But I'm not sure that st- checks out either because I, when Cheltenham went to four days, I was there. Well, this is the end. This is the end. People well, people won't go now. They'd be, they'd be so disgusted. And then the crowds just got bigger and bigger. Uh, so so maybe maybe there, this has reached a tipping point where the national season is so disjointed and so bloated um, that people are finally fed up of it. But unfortunately, Vanessa, I don't have any answers for you. I'm I'm not sure what's causing this. If they do drop again this year, though, you'd have to be concerned. Okay. well, finally, does anybody have any answers for me about who sent me this enamel copper egg? I've been sent an egg, Okay, in the post. Here it is, everyone. And I was loath to put this out here into the public domain, but it is driving me mad. Who sent me this egg? Can anybody come up with the answer? Everyone go online. It's an Easter egg. Or what, or what is it Or what is it for is another question. I don't know what it's for. It opens up. It's from a company called Halcyon Days, which I had never heard of in my life. It's extremely pretty. It's an Easter egg. It, become, it comes with a certificate of authenticity. Here you go. And I looked it up on the internet and it seems like it was not a cheap gift. So whoever has sent me a enamel onto copper limited edition Easter egg number 103 of 500. Could you just tell me? Because then I can say thank you. And I've I've had some random presents in my time, but this this is an extreme one. Mm. So that is a plea to the listeners and viewers out there. If it was you, please get in contact. David, was it you? No. Once you tell me how much it costs, I was quickly ruled out, Vanessa. I mean, it's it's a wedge, isn't it? It ruled a few people out, definitely. I have a few admirers, but with not that deeper pockets. (laughs) Anyway, finally, guys... just, yes. just, just quickly, Vanessa, on the on the ticket sales. Like, I, I think this is potentially like a like a, a bit a very big thing. Um, I, I think this is potentially a really big thing, and this is something that that could lead to to a, a lot of positive change. Um, if it leads to what it sounds like it's going to lead to, which is numbers down again. Um, like like Brandon says, like they they had a raft of excuses last year that sounded reasonable at the time, 
But, you know, we, all of us in the game, can kind of sense the levels of apathy too and the frustration in, in amongst the fan base with the way Chumps Racing has gone, with the way the Cheltenham Festival has gone. And if this starts to hit them in the pocket, um, the, 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 they've been the jockey club, you know, I I, I, I have a feeling that, I, I sense that there is a potential for positive change and a way, but if it, if it, it could easily be compounded by this. So, look, it, it'll be one to watch quite closely because if they if people are voting with their feet and not going racing because they're not as excited about it as they once were, you know, it just will implore them to, to make, you know, what we talk about all the time in this podcast, like are, are quite simple changes to try and um, up the quality and excitement and competitiveness of, of the racing product, like which, you know, everyone knows my opinions. Like I think it so desperately needs. So yeah. um, I, I'll certainly be keeping a real close eye on, on those attendance figures. Okay. Interesting to see if the tide may well start to turn uh, for the positive. Right, before we wrap up, well, boys, thank you. Brendan, Dave, Kevin Blake, thank you as always. We will, of course, be back on Thursday with Racing Only Better. And finally, don't forget, if you're having a bet this week, please do it responsibly. Uh, Betfair has loads of safer gambling tools which are easy to find and very easy to apply. And almost 50% of our customers already use said safer gambling tools to manage their play. So if you haven't already, why wouldn't you give them a go and just try? They're easy to apply, easy to find on the website. Uh, also subscribe and like this show on YouTube. Join us again on Thursday. But for now, guys, that was Wade In. 